You're listening to the pulpit ministry of North Life Baptist Church with Pastor Harley Snowd. At North Life Baptist Church, our mission is to encourage each person to take the steps of loving God, growing together, and serving others. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.northlife.church. Now, stay tuned for today's message. That was really good. Thank you all so much for the opportunity to be with you this morning. What a wonderful morning already of worship. Um, I love that song. Um, I, I don't know, maybe it's just the calling that God has placed on our life, but whenever I, I sing those, those words about coming broken to be healed, um, it means something a little bit different for us. Um, I feel like there's so many times in our ministry, we're seeing so many broken people that come to us at some of the most vulnerable parts of their life and um, coming to us to share with us issues, whether they're trafficked humans uh, that have been sold or have been abused. Um, taken advantage of, uh, people who come to us and share with us some of their biggest, darkest hurts because of things that they've gone through in life, people that are uh, living in pain, living in just a a condition that just really is heart-wrenching. And to be able to come alongside local churches like yours and to be able to not offer only just the physical care of trying to meet the need that they have, but then telling them about our healer, our savior, the great physician, what an incredible blessing we have this morning. Uh, I'm so thankful that you're here today. I'm so thankful that we are gathered today to just pause in a busy time of life when there's so many things going on, there's so many cares uh, that you probably have entered the building with, to stop for just a moment and think about other people, to think about other people in other countries, uh, in other locations, probably in other buildings today outside of this one that may need Jesus Christ. And whether it's a mission field here in Worcester and Wayne County, uh, to the greater Ohio area, or even on the foreign mission field, to pause for just a minute and to think about how God could use our life um, it's, a, it's a privilege. I hope you will come back tonight. I'm kind of jealous. I, I cannot wait to tell you about what God is doing in our ministry. I've been listening to all these other missionaries get to present their ministry, and I can't wait to tell you what God is doing through Medical Missions Outreach. I am so excited. Uh, it, it is mind-boggling to me that God even allows me to be a part of it, and then to watch what he is doing is super exciting. I'm also excited to have two of our newest missionaries with us. Ron and Donna Riggs are here with us. Uh, Ron, you got three shifts left. Is that right? Three shifts left at the Canton Fire Department. He's going to be retiring and joining our ministry, uh, relocating down to Atlanta. He's an EMT firefighter, and he has used his skill set. The two of them have served with us uh, in various countries around the world, and he is now feeling that, hey, there's, there's, this is a great opportunity to segue from what God has given me a skill set to do to using it for his glory, and we're super excited. And so I'm thankful that they would drive up to be a part of the service and just be here to encourage our family. Uh, we were we were very excited to see them today. Uh, if you have your Bible, turn with me to Ruth chapter 2. Ruth chapter 2. If you cannot come back tonight, if you are just providentially hindered from coming tonight, do me a favor. Come over to the table. Let me just share with you some information, tell you a little bit about our ministry so that you can not only pray, uh, pray for what God is doing and pray to be involved with us, uh, but also to help us spread the word. There's some great uh, resources that I'd love to give you over there so that you could help us share what God is doing. But I really hope you'll be here tonight uh, so that I can tell you more 
in-depth details about it. Ruth chapter 2, blessed is a preacher that can get airborne without much runway. So we're going to get started this morning, all right? So y'all got to listen quick, and I'm going to talk quick. I told them Wednesday night the same thing, but it's just part of who I am. I talk super fast, and I am from Alabama. I don't know, I, I don't know how I got it, but I do. So Ruth chapter 2, we're going to start here. Verse number 4, and behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered him, the Lord bless thee. Then said Boaz unto his servants that was set over the reapers, whose damsel is this? And the servant that was set over the reapers answered, said, it's the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and hath continued even from the morning until now that she tarried a little in the house. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, hearest thou not my daughter? Go not to glean in another field, and neither go from hence, but abide here, fast by my maidens. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do repent, and go thou after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And, and when thou art athirst, go unto the vessels, and drink of that which the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, and bowed herself to the ground, and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes, that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? And Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath fully been showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother in the land of thy nativity, and art come unto a people which thou knewest not heretofore. The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. I love this story, and if you've ever had a chance to do a study of the book of Ruth, it's a beautiful book. There is so much that we can learn out of this book. And this morning, I really want to just be a quick challenge to you. Uh, it's missions. It's a missions emphasis weekend, I know, and, and maybe you're used to having people talk about giving financially to missions. And you know what? That's a major part of it. But if you want to know the honest part, me as a missionary, uh, pastor may not agree with me, and he might not appreciate me saying this, but the money, that's the easy part. Uh, listen, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Uh, he doesn't really need your wallet. He asks you to willingly give it to him, but I think what's more important is that he has our heart. Uh, there's, uh, in medical science, you might not know this, but there is a major vein that goes straight from your heart to your wallet. It really is true. Uh, wherever your heart is, that's where your treasure is going to be also. Uh, and you know what? I 100% I, I believe that if God has control of your heart, he'll take care of that. So this morning, I really just want to talk about your heart and where you find yourself wanting to give God your best, giving God your, your, your life, giving God your skill set, giving God everything that he's given to you. And when I read this passage of scripture and I look at this, this is a beautiful story. You know the background, I'm sure young lady who has met a man. His family relocated out of their home country to a foreign country. Uh, there was some kind of marriage arranged where it's made. Uh, she's married a man that's from a different culture, probably spoke a different language, uh, probably had a lot of different cultural things about him and customs, um, and definitely had a different religion, uh, especially in his background, the way he was raised. Um, later on, after they've been married for some time, tragedy strikes the family. Uh, her father-in-law dies, her brother-in-law dies, and her husband dies. It's left all of these women in a male-dominated society, left to fend for themselves. Her mother-in-law shows up one day completely distraught, completely brokenhearted, says, I I'm devastated at what God has done, and I'm going back to my people to just be a broken woman, to be a widow, and just spend the rest of my life crying and, and just living in, in, in just uh, a complete grief grief. You two ladies, you go back to your people. Go back. You're young. You can get remarried. Uh, you go back to your families. It's okay. The, the sister-in-law, she says, yes, I'm going to go back. And she does. She leaves. 
Uh, Ruth, she comes to her mother-in-law and she makes this big, beautiful statement that you need to go and find because it's the key to unlocking the entire book of Ruth. She looks at her mother-in-law. She says, no, no, no. Wherever you go, I'm going. Wherever you put your head down, that's where I'm going to put my head down. Your people are going to be my people. And then this beautiful statement, she says, and your God is going to be my God. In other words, there was something about the testimony. There was something about the faith. There was something about the beliefs. There was something that was just so different about them that she wanted that in her life too. And she chose to make that God her God, and she was going to step out in faith and see what God was going to do for her in her life, because he had see, she had probably seen the blessings poured out on this family as well. I'm choosing that. I'm choosing to be a part of that family. We fast forward, they're in a male-dominated society. You'll probably hear me say that multiple times, because I believe that's a very important part of understanding uh, the cultural things that are happening in this scripture. But she goes back, and, and they get there, and, and as they're trying to wonder, how are we going to fend for ourselves? How are we going to provide the food and, and everything we need when we don't have a man in the house? They're going to kind of fall into this category where God allowed people who were impoverished, people who didn't have what other people had, uh, to go out into fields. Uh, what would happen is as the men and, and the workers would go into the field and they begin to reap all of the, the harvest that was there. Uh, there was this law that God had made that if anything fell on the ground or if they missed something, they couldn't go back after it. It was as if God said, I allowed you to drop that. I allowed you to miss that because I want even the poor people to know that I think about them too. So you can't go back and get that. Leave it there so that they can come and get it themselves. And that's where we find Ruth. She showed up this morning, and she's there getting ready to work in the field, and, and she's out there just going after what's happening. She's going to gather for her and her mother-in-law when the owner of the field shows up. His name is Boaz. He's kind of walking along. He looks over the, the whole field, and he's, he's kind of surveying, talking to all of his people. He seems like a really friendly man to me. Hey, the Lord bless you. Lord bless you, too. And he's just kind of taking it all in, and he sees this woman out there, and he looks at the fellows, and he says, hey, who's that good-looking woman out yonder? That's, that's what it says in Alabama. Uh, who's that good-looking woman out yonder? Uh, I've never seen her before. And then they said, oh, you know who that is. That's, that's Ruth. Remember the, the Moabitish woman? Oh, yeah, yeah. Everybody knows that story. Everybody knows about the stranger who's in town. Everybody knows about the convert. We know that she trusted God so much that she moved to us. She came to be a part of us because she believed in our God so much. Of course she can be here. In fact, he calls Ruth over and he gives her this agreement that day. And this is what I'm really wanting to get at in verse number nine for you and I. In legal terms, they would call this a quid pro quo, a this for that arrangement. Uh, Ruth, listen, if you can listen to the things that I, I, the instructions I want to give you, if you can follow the instructions that I, I'm going to tell you today, if you can follow those out, then you can expect this to happen in your life today. This is the blessing that I want to pour out into your life. And he says this in verse number nine. Let's start when he says here, let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap. I love this because here's the first part of the agreement. And listen, I believe this is an agreement that God would make with us today. I, I truly believe this. Uh, did you notice Ruth later on would say, why? Why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldest take knowledge of me seeing I'm a stranger? Why, why would you be so good to me? He says, because you trusted in God. You ever been there with your relationship with God? Uh, God, why are you so good to me? Uh, we were talking about this the other day. In fact, Wednesday night, I, I shared with you a story about uh, being in Burkina Faso uh, and a woman bringing her, her child to me who was starving to death expecting a miracle, expecting us to be able to intervene in a child who, if I tell you the end of the story, it's heartbreaking. The next day that baby would pass away. But she handed me that baby whose skin was so stretched taut over its body, you could see the skeletal uh, formation. You could see uh, the growth plates in his head. It was just, it was heart-wrenching. 
And I'm sitting there holding that baby, and I had to slip into a side room. And, and to be honest with you, my kids hate it when I say this, but I, I couldn't help but think immediately of, of my four little piglets at home that got all the food they want in the pantry. They've got multiple changes of clothes uh, that, that get to go to a school and, and get to feel loved and, and feel warmed and, and feel fed and just all those different things. And I couldn't help but sit there and say, God, why are you so good to me when there's so much suffering in this world? And I believe this passage of Scripture really jumped out to me even more then. Because, Bradley, you've put your faith and trust in me. You've come to, you've come to find your security under my wings. I, I'm doing these things for you. But I don't believe that God is so good to us so that we can just amass to ourselves. So that we can keep it all to ourselves and build our little kingdoms and make sure that we have all of our little toys. He's been good to us so that we can in turn push off into the plates of other people and say, our God is good. Our God is gracious. Our God is amazing. And Boaz that day, that's exactly what he wants to do to Ruth. Ruth, I want you to see that our God is great. Our God is amazing. And here's how you're going to experience this for yourself. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap. Ruth, here's the first thing I want you to make sure that you understand. I need you to be focused. You have to be focused here, Ruth. This is the field that I want you to experience the blessings of God in for yourself. If I can be honest with you today, church, one of the things we need most in our world today is Christians who are focused on what God has called them to do. We are so distracted by Facebook and Instagram. We're so distracted by CNN and Fox News. We're so distracted by all the things that our neighbors may have going on or the little fights that we can see popping up here and there amongst our congregations that we're distracted. And I believe that this is one of the greatest tools the devil has used to keep us from being as effective as we could be as churches today. We need to be focused on what God has called us to do. Now, listen, I'm going to tell you this right now. All of us have different callings because you have a different skill set. Uh, there's one unique thing about it. We are called to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, but how that is accomplished is as unique as you are. You have a skill set. You have a personality. You have different spiritual giftings that God has given to you, and you're to use those things for his glory, and you need to be focused about how you do it. Uh, I, I sit here and listen at this, this missions conference, and I sit there and go, man, that would be exciting to serve in one of these undisclosed countries like that and, and to have such an incredible testimony and, and powerful witness for God when there's so much persecution going on. I sit there and think about, man, could you imagine reaching God's chosen people like that and being a part of seeing them come to, to the full realization that Jesus Christ was the Messiah that had been waited for for so long. I sit there and think about uh, the, the ministry to uh, the sheriff's department and the law enforcement that your church has in this community. I think about all these things and it gets me excited. It makes me want to be involved, but I have to realize I have a, a field that I'm supposed to be focused on. Hey, Bradley, those things are wonderful. Those things are exciting. Pray for them, give to them, help them, encourage them. But Bradley, don't you ever forget what I've called you to do. I'm a medical missionary and I love it. I wouldn't trade anything in this world for what God's allowed my family to experience and be a part of. You and I, we've got to come to that place where we say, God, what is it you created me for? Uh, your life has a purpose. Your life has a purpose. You were created on purpose, and it's to bring glory to God. It's to get his name spread amongst all the nations. God, what did you create me to do, and how can I accomplish it? And God, help me to be singularly focused to accomplish that task. I love how Paul would say it over and over. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord, not unto men. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. Just keep going, keep going, be focused. Know what God has called you to do and surrender to it. 
There's probably no doubt that every one of you, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you have a personal walk with Jesus Christ, at some point in your life or another, he's probably burdened your heart in some way about how you can use your skill set, how you can use your influence, how you can use your position, uh, where you work, what house you live in, the family members that you have somehow for his glory. And he wants you to be focused on using your opportunity in life to see other people come to know him. Be focused, church. We need this today desperately. But he doesn't stop there. He says, uh, Ruth, listen, let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap and go thou after them. I love this because this is where he's trying to say, hey, Ruth, the rubber meets the road here. I need you to be focused, but I also need you to be following. I need you to get out there and do this. This is really interesting to me because if you really stop and think about it, he's the owner of the field, right? If he wanted to, couldn't he have said, hey, everybody, hey, all you fellows out yonder, come here. Come here for a minute. Y'all bring your bag with you. Uh, listen, everybody come over here, line up for a second. I want every one of y'all to scoop out a big scoop of the stuff you've already harvested and put it into Ruth's bag. He could have done that, couldn't he? I mean, he could have been uber generous. He, he runs the place. He can do anything he wants to, but he didn't choose to do it that way. Just like if God wanted to, he can make trees sing. Did you know that? He can make rocks cry out. Did you know if he wanted to, he could call 10,000 angels to come out of heaven and glorify his name and tell everybody and done all kinds of signs and miracles that way, but he has not chosen to right now. He's chosen to use you and I. It's the simple things that maybe profound the world that he would use some of, of the most random people with the most random skill sets to bring glory to his name. He's looking for each and every one of us to not only be focused on bringing glory to him, but to be following the plan that he's laid out for our lives. You see, our plan, uh, our plans that we lay, man, they seem so straight and they seem uh, like this is all that makes sense and this is the way it has to be. But then when God gets involved, it's amazing how he changes things and he alters them and he gives us the detours because every step along the way, he's trying to show us, you follow me, you follow me, you'll find the greatest blessings. You'll find the greatest blessings. You're going to find the greatest fulfillment. I love how the psalmist would say in Psalm 63, 8, my soul followeth hard after thee, thy right hand upholdeth me. No matter how hard the terrain is, Lord, it's all about following you, even when I don't understand it, because I will feel your right hand uphold me. You will guide me through it. My life verses come from Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, where he says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 16 through 8, says, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perisheth, yet our inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look at not on the things which are seen, but on the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Jesus would even say in Matthew 6, 16, verse 24, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Ruth, here's the deal. You want to see these blessings? You want, to, you want to get out of today everything that you never expected and feel fulfillment today? Here's what you need to do. Get out there and go to work. Oh, Ruth, you're going, to have to, you're going to have to take that bag and you're going to have to bend down, pick it up, put it in your bag. Bend down, pick it up, put it in your bag. Over and over all day long, this bag's going to get heavy. It's going to be a long, hard day. But you get out there and you just watch and see all the blessings that I have in store for you. Can I tell you this morning, church, we need people who would say, I recognize that God has given me certain skill sets. I recognize that God has given me a certain position. God has given me opportunities to bring glory to his name. And I'm going to actually get out there and work. I'm going to actually get out there and work. Oh, when it's my turn to teach a Sunday school class, I'm going to study. 
I'm going to pray. I'm going to call. I'm going to encourage. I'm going to make sure that I'm very prepared for it. Oh, if God gives me an opportunity to go visit some of the shut-ins, it's not going to be, can I just get this 15 minutes over and leave? How can I minister to them? How can I love them? When it comes to that, maybe that barista that you know that's a single mom that's struggling, it's not just dropping a, a tip in her jar. It's more about, can I give you a tract? Can I invite you and encourage you to come to church with me? Oh, that family that you know that's broken right now, that marriage that seems to be crumbling, it's about inserting yourself and saying, hey, can I pray for you? Can I encourage you? Uh, would you like to come to our church? Our pastor, he, he's got a wonderful counseling ministry. Would you like to take time to hear what God's word says about how your marriage could be made whole again? It's going to take work, but it is absolutely worth it. It's work to get out into these mission fields and try to find the harvest that God has for us. But listen, it is absolutely worth it. Your life will never feel more fulfilled. You will never find more joy in your life than when you're actually out there serving God, doing what he's called you to do. So Ruth, listen, be focused. It's this field. Don't worry about what's going on over in the cornfield over there. That one's not for you. Nah. Uh, the soybeans, don't even look over there. This is your field here. And I want you just to hunker down. I want you to get out there. And I want you to go to work and give it everything you've got. And you just watch and see that the Lord is good. Uh, and Ruth, if you can do these things, I want you to know you're not alone. In fact, if you'll do these things, here's what you can expect from me. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? I, I love that because, again, we're in a male-dominated society. You do realize in this time period, it would have been nothing. It would have been very common if she got too close to these workers for them to raise a hand, for them to push her, for them to talk down to her. Uh, who do you think you are? Uh, you Moabitish woman. Uh, you woman from a different background, different culture. I can hear you. I can hear it in your speech. I can hear the intonations you use. You're not one of us. Get out of here. Get back to the back of the line here. Let the other Israelite women come ahead of her. Uh, she could have experienced all kind of derogatory comments and all kind of hardships in this area. But guess what? The owner of the field has said, I will protect you. You're, you're safe and secure with me, Ruth. I own this place, and every one of these people out here are accountable to me. Now, you just go to work. Uh, can I tell you this? If you're worried about your past and maybe things that other people know about you, those things, if you know Christ is your Savior, are forgiven and forgotten. Amen. Don't let that come up and, and keep you from serving. Uh, let me tell you this. If you're worried about, I don't know that I'll have the right words to say. Uh, Bradley, I would love to get involved in more ministries in my church. I just don't know if I can get the time off from it. Bradley, I, I would love to be involved in giving to my church. I just don't know if I'd be able to meet my other financial requirements and, and pay my bills. I, I, I just don't know. Let me tell you once again, the owner of the field has stepped into the situation, and he's told you, I've called you, I've created you, I've given you a command. This is what I want to see you do, and if you'll just trust me, if you'll, you'll step out in faith and you'll follow the things that I'm telling you, you watch and see that I'll protect you, I'll take care of you. Um, people ask me often, do you get nervous about going to these other countries? Uh, do you get nervous about what may happen to you and, and, and those things? I, it's true. We serve in all kinds of situations, all kinds of countries, whether it's a Muslim area, uh, whether it's uh, predominantly Catholic and they're very not welcoming to a, a Baptist group coming in, whatever it may be. We've worked in a lot of different areas. Uh, we were actually in Haiti one time right after the earthquake, um, and we had a 28-person orthopedic trauma team. Uh, we were down there doing surgeries almost round the clock, and we were having to triage patients outside the hospital walls because there were just so many patients that needed help. 
And I remember being with our medical team outside the walls there. We were trying to see who needed to come in first, those kind of things. And these four guys come pulling up on mopeds. I called them Hades Angels. They had their, their basketball jerseys and gold chains on. And they pulled up on these mopeds and they just stood there watching us for a minute. And we had two guys with us from Homeland Security that had clearance to carry weapons. And they were our security for the week. And one of the guys came up to me. He said, Bradley, we're getting cased right now. We're about to get robbed. I said, okay, um, can you buy me some time? Just buy me time to let me get the team into the walls, and then we'll see what we can do to, to you know, resolve the situation. This hospital had like 10-foot concrete walls that went all the way around it, and there was one big entrance at the front. I said, let me just get them in the doors of this hospital. We'll close the gate, and then we'll deal with it. So I, I walked to the team. I said, hey, listen, let's take a break. Everybody, we're going to go inside, get some water for a minute, leave all your equipment out here. I'll stay in guard by it. Don't worry about it. Y'all just go take a break, rest for just a second. We've had a long day. We'll come back out here and get back to work in just a minute. They kind of walked in. Uh, one of our security guys, he's over there. Uh, he, he was right in the face of these guys. He was actually taking pictures of them and talking to them like, you know, he wanted to be friends with them as he's taking every one of their pictures just to have a record of who they were. And, and we're getting ready to see what we were going to do. And all of a sudden, we could hear this loud rumbling sound. And, and I looked over, and on the other side of the hospital wall, you could see all this dust flying up over the walls. And I'm like, what in the world is that? And around the corner comes these four Humvees. They come to a pause. They open the doors, and all these soldiers pop out. And this guy comes walking over, and he says, who's in charge here? And I said, well, I am. He said, my name is Sergeant so-and-so from the 82nd Airborne Division of the U.S. Military. I'm here on a NATO peacekeeping mission, and you're in my security zone. I said, man, you got great timing. <laughs> And he said, uh, are these young men here, are these the guys that you're worried about? I said, actually, yeah. I said, our security thinks that we're about to get robbed. He said, yeah, you are. He said, we've been tracking them. He said, we've been looking for them. He said, give me just a minute. He walks over with his interpreter. He says some stuff to them that I would never repeat in mixed company. <laughs> and then the next thing you know, they got on their mopeds and they drove away. After 17 years, that's like all I got for you. If you're looking for something super <laughs> interesting, you want something that's just like, give me something dramatic. Um, nothing nothing. Uh, listen, I'm not worried about it either. Uh, I tell people all the time, I'm more scared of the traffic in Atlanta than I am traveling to all these other cities and other countries. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm telling you the honest truth. Lamentations 3 verses 21 through 25, this I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. Hebrews 13, verse 6 says, So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. I'm not worried about it. Uh, Noah, don't get embarrassed. My, Noah's my oldest. Most of the time when I'm leaving the country, I pull him aside and I say, Hey, man, I'm, I'm heading out. You're the man of the house. You take care of mom. Keep the other kids straight. Give them whoopings if they need them. No, I don't tell them that part. <laughs> you, you help mom out. You be the man of the house. And if, and if I don't come back this time, bud, it's okay. This is what God called me to do. Because you know what? I, I, I've tried my best to raise him to understand. People can do anything they want to to this body. They can't touch my soul. <laughs> I am so safe. I am so secure in following what the owner of the field has told me to do that I can do it without reservation. I can get out and go after it. I can give it everything I have because I know he owns the field. He will keep me safe. But you know what's beautiful? He doesn't even stop there. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art athirst, go unto the vessels which the young men have drawn. I hope you understand that he will not only keep you safe, but he will give you your supplies. 
I hope you understand that whenever he's called you to do something, he will give you everything you need to get the job accomplished. I I don't know that I'm smart enough. I don't know that I'm talented enough. I I don't know that I have all the skill sets like everybody else does. Quit comparing your field to someone else's field. Quit being worried about what they can do and you can't do. You just give everything that you have to God and you watch him be glorified in it and you will find all the peace and fulfillment and the joy that he has for your life. And it's a beautiful thing. It's an absolutely beautiful thing. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field which is today and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? Oh, ye of little faith. Therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Hey, listen, it's not about my, my material possessions. It's not about my appearance. It's not about all of those things. This is simply about my heart's performance towards God. God, what would you have me do? God, how can I follow you? God, how can I be surrendered to your will? God, where would you use me? When you have that opportunity, it's beautiful what God can do. We were in Nyahururu, Kenya, Africa, which is north of Nairobi, about three hours. Uh, This was uh, several years back. And we were working in a clinic when these five young schoolgirls came into our clinic. And that's very common. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of times students will come to see us because they want to practice their English. A lot of times they want to see us because they've never seen Caucasian people before. And so these girls came into our clinic and they were all wearing their school uniforms, a white button-up blouse with blue pleated dresses, skirts. Uh, one of them, though, her skirt was unique because it went all the way down to the floor. Uh, they came in, and we kind of got them divided up, and they were sitting amongst the, the uh, medical staff there to, to, to hear their problems. And, and that young lady that had come with the, the long dress, she was different. She had kind of a flat affect, didn't really make eye contact, kind of continued to stare at the floor the whole time, very quiet. We got her uh, uh, over to one of our doctors, and he kind of leaned in with a big smile and said, well, what brought you in today? How can I help you? And then she slowly began just to pull her skirt up and showed her, and it was very evident what there was. Uh, she had elephantiasis. Uh, that's where you have a parasite that can get into your lymphatic system. Uh, that parasite will, will begin to kind of burrow its way through your lymphatic system. And, and then basically what they do is they kind of anchor in. And your, lymph, your lymphatic system, it, it will begin to produce lymphatic fluid, which causes swelling. And it's trying to push that parasite out. It's trying to uh, get it away from your body. It's trying to get this foreign body out. And so what happens is that lymphatic fluid just continues to be produced and produced and produced, and, and it causes swelling that gets greater and greater and greater. Well, this young lady's, hers was between her, 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 her knee and, and her ankle, and her ankle was swollen so massively that it had literally just kind of folded over the edges of her ankle. Her foot was so large. Her toes were kind of spread out as far as they could. It almost looked like her, her foot would just kind of rip in half. Her leg was swollen so greatly. Our physician looked at her, and he was just brokenhearted. Yeah, I know exactly what your problem is. I know exactly what you need. We're out here in the middle of nowhere. The medication that you would take for that, 
It's, it's controlled by the World Health Organization. It's, avail- it's available in underdeveloped countries, but there's very unique ways that you have access to this, and, and we're not close to that city right now, and, and we're going to try to help you. We're going to try to see if we can locate this medication and get it out here to you to, to assist in this problem. But as he continued the examination, what she didn't know was on the backside of her ankle, she had this really bad cut, and it was severely infected. He looks at her and he says, well, listen, I can't do anything about the, the swelling, but we have to do something about that infection. That could be more costly than the swelling. So he takes her into one of our uh, treatment rooms, and there was a nurse in there with an 18-year-old girl. This 18-year-old girl felt God leading in her heart that she wanted to be a nurse and that she wanted to use her nursing career to glorify him. They walked into this room, and that 18-year-old girl, she jumped up off the chair. She's not in college yet, hasn't got any training yet, but she jumped up off the chair, and she said, I want to help. How can I help her? She saw a young lady near her age. I I want to help. They sat her on the table and said, all right, well, listen, can you just wash her foot? She's got mud and dirt all in her foot from walking on these dirty roads, and we need to clean out this wound so that we can do something with it. And that young lady, she got a basin of water, and she began to wash this young girl's foot, and I happened to walk by, and as I walked by, the patient is sitting there with just tears coming down her eyes. And I said, all right, wait a second, you got to stop for a minute. I grabbed a translator said, hey, listen, uh, this, we don't want this to be a traumatic experience for her. If this is too painful, we, we can stop. We can give some kind of anesthetic. We can, we can do something to help here. We, we just don't want her to leave and think she was tortured by us uh, with the pain that she's in. So I said, can you ask her, is this too much pain Uh, The translator looks at her, he talks to her for a second, and this girl talks to him, and they're kind of going back and forth, almost having a conversation. I'm like, what's the deal? (laughs) Is this too much pain or not? What's going on? And he looks at me, and now he's got tears in his eyes, and he says, Bradley, she's not crying because it hurts too much. She's crying because no one's ever touched her there. She just told me that her parents think she's demon-possessed, and that's the reason why her body is dysmorphic. Uh, She she told me that uh, these these other kids that go to her school, they think she has a communicable disease and nobody really wants to be friends with her because they don't want to catch what she has. And as I looked at her and I said, no, you were created in the image of God. You're beautiful. You're beautiful and you're fine and we're going to do everything we can to help you. And I hope you know that God loves you so much just the way you are that he wants to have a close relationship with you and tell you just how precious you are to him. And I remember introducing her to the pastor's wife. She's a nurse there in Kenya. And that young lady that day got to hear in Swahili, uh, Baba, Baba Yetu, that would be the name for Christ, how much he loves her. And that day she would hear this and put her faith and trust in Christ, and her life has changed. Do you know why? Because people are saying, I'm willing, God, wherever, whenever, whoever, God, you say the word. God, you give the direction. God, I know that everything that has happened in my life, whether it was hurt and pain of losing a husband like Ruth did, whether it was transferring me to a place where I felt uncomfortable, I understand that everything has been orchestrated to bring glory to you, God. Everything that you've brought into my life, everything that you've given to me is for your honor, your glory. And so today, God, I give it to you. May you be used. May you be glorified. I will be passionate about this, and I'm absolutely going to pursue your glory, and I'll watch you keep me safe. I'll watch you supply everything that I need. We need folks like this today in our churches. Uh, Did you notice? I didn't read it, but maybe you've read it in past readings. Verse 23, so she kept fast by the maidens of Boaz to glean, I love the next three words, unto the end. She stayed there till the end. I'm just going to stay faithful. 
Uh, can I encourage you this morning? Maybe you're here and you say, Bradley, that sounds wonderful. That sounds good. And you know what? If I'm honest with you, there was a time in my life that was me. I used to be all over it. I used to be so involved. I used to be uh, super uh, sold out to things. But man, some things have happened in my life. Things have changed. And, and, and you don't know my story. You don't know my whole situation. I, I don't have to know. I still believe with all my heart you were created for a purpose. And as long as you have breath in your lungs, may you use every energy that you have, every breath that's been given to you to glorify our Father which is in heaven. I hope that you'll take every ounce of what he's put into you and you'll seek his kingdom with it. That you'll seek his righteousness and let him take care of all the other things. We need you today. Uh, as, As a missionary, I'm standing here today to tell you Um, The fields are white under harvest. They're red, yellow, black, and white under harvest, and we need more folks out there with us.